Welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast, where we feature helpful and interesting information on Oregon real estate. Now, here's your host, Realtor Roy Whiting. Hello, and welcome to the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. My name is Roy Whiting, and I'm a licensed Oregon real estate broker with Certified Realty. Today's program is titled, How Multiple Buyers Change Everything. Whether you're a home buyer or home seller, the presence of more than one buyer competing for the same property changes everything. In other words, adding multiple buyers to the mix means a change in behavior between all parties involved. As a result of this decided shift in control, buyers typically become more competitive. Why? Because fear of loss can be a powerful motivator. And while it's possible for three, four, or even more buyers to compete for the same house, the principle is essentially the same regardless of how many multiple buyers write an offer. Adding more buyers to the mix, however, does have a tendency to quicken the pace. We all want a good deal. Depending on the personalities involved, shifting from a one-offer scenario to a multiple-offer scenario can have the effect of shifting home-buying negotiations from what can sometimes be a friendly and collaborative effort to more of an aggressive and competitive one. What can buyers do to lower the volume, lessen their own anxiety, and reduce the frenzy without getting caught up in the process all while making sure you don't miss out on the house of your dreams. Plus, what can sellers do to maximize their leverage in getting the best possible offer? And for both buyers and sellers, are there specific tips you can use to ensure you're in it to win it for your next home purchase or sale? Find out more in this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast. Until that first offer comes in, home sellers can be optimistic but have no absolute foolproof guarantee that an acceptable offer will come in by a certain date. As a result, whether their home is on the market for a day, a week, or a month, buyer response depends on their pricing and the state of the local real estate market, such as if it's a buyer's or seller's market, along with where interest rates are hovering, their home's floor plan, and the like. There are home buyer hats and home seller's hats. That's a real estate idiom for understanding how those on the other side in a negotiation perceive a situation or offer. Whether buying or selling a home, it's helpful to try on the other party's hat and see the transaction from their perspective. For example, if you're a buyer and really want a particular house, if roles were reversed and you became the seller, Would you seriously consider an offer lower than what you reasonably could expect to receive? Most buyers and sellers are looking out for their own best interests, so unless there's a good reason for the other party to break from that tradition, understand that for most people, the amount offered, often along with some other potentially important factors, plays a big part in any decision making. Unless they're a friend or relative, one simply can't reasonably expect people to go against what's in their own interest. Balance of power. 
When multiple buyers express interest in a property by writing offers, the balance of power has shifted substantially in favor of the seller, who's then in a position to either say no to all interested parties who fall short, or simply pit one buyer against another to better the offers. When you think about it, this is not so much different than what we see in an auction situation. A key difference is that with real estate, open bidding is the exception and not the rule. As a result, buyers are in a way bidding blindly without knowing what their competition is doing. This situation is more common when housing inventory is low and or when a seller is highly motivated and has priced their property below what the market might otherwise expect. True to our earlier mentioned military-esque term, multiple buyers interested in the same property can sometimes engender what's called a bidding war. This is when two or more sets of buyers compete for the same property, with the effect of bidding up the price. This is very good for sellers and often quite stressful for buyers. For helpful tactical insights in strategically selling your home, check out our prior feature article and podcast titled The Art of War for Home Sellers. Here's a case study with some insights into the bidding war scenario. We'll call our home buyers Jack and Jill in this true life multiple buyer story that actually happened. Jack and Jill were seeking a larger home and yard for their growing family with three preteen kids and needed to stay within their current school district. Complicating the matter was a good but nevertheless limited budget. In addition, the available inventory of homes that might fit their needs was very low. One day I received a call from Jack saying that he and Jill were ready to try for the house they really wanted. Jack said, Roy, we think we've decided on the perfect house. We realize it's been listed for a while, so maybe we can bring the seller down on the price. The home Jack and Jill were enthusiastic about indeed had been listed for more than three months. In that current seller's market, that house had a market time longer than the average, and while the home was quite nice, the price was near the very top of the market. As a result of all this, it's no wonder Jack and Jill thought they might be able to negotiate the seller down on price. However, further research indicated the seller had made a very recent price reduction. As we'll soon see, this would have the effect of stirring up the market for that property. From the beginning of our home hunt, I'd advised Jack and Jill about possible transaction dynamics between buyers and sellers. As part of this, early in the process, I'd pointed out various offer scenarios to both Jack and Jill. For now, I said, if we find something you really like, you needn't rush, but we're in a fast market, so if a second buyer appears, any offer leverage you may hold is likely to decrease significantly and quick. That's because when home sellers have choices, they often use them, and in a multiple buyer scenario, one choice home sellers have is to play one buyer off against another. Enter the second buyer. Right about that time, I received word from the seller's realtor. I was told, Better do something if your folks want the property, Roy. I understand there's an offer coming in at any time now from another realtor. Good luck. I communicated this information to Jack and Jill who still hoped they could bring the seller down on price. Their response? We really want the house, Roy, but don't want to overpay for it. Now Jack and Jill had a dilemma. 
It was likely they needed to come in strong with a good offer early on in order to decrease the chances of losing out and to win the house they wanted so much. That's because any offer they made would now need to better the one from another family who might be dealing with a similar situation while dealing with our same housing market. This continued my discussion with Jack and Jill about any forthcoming offer they might make. In our conversation, and as a protection of sorts, I noted that even if they overpaid, the property would still need to appraise for the amount of their accepted offer. If it didn't, they could use their appraisal contingency to back out. But first, they would need to write an offer that the sellers would accept. I boiled it down to this. Jack, of course the decision is all yours and Jill's, and I'm happy to handle things however you'd like. As things currently stand, you and Jill have several options. One is to try to get a bargain and run the risk of being beat out by the other buyer. Another option is to make the best offer you can, where you stand a better chance of at least having your offer accepted. Then even if you think you overpaid, you could still wait to see what the appraisal says and decide from there. I then detailed to Jack that based on how their offer was written, if the home didn't appraise correctly, they would then have the option to either 1. Terminate the transaction, 2. Try to renegotiate the price, or 3. If the appraisal came in low and they still wanted the house, even if the seller wasn't flexible, they could then decide to move forward or not with the purchase once they were then armed with more information, such as if the appraisal was only a little low and otherwise one they could accept. Alternatives are empowering. If Jack and Jill had been purchasing in a more buyer-friendly buyer's market and not a seller's market, and or if their school district options and home checklists were more flexible, they likely would have felt more empowered. Under that scenario, Jack and Jill could have had more negotiating room, but they didn't, and the home they wanted was indeed beautiful. In fact, the property seemed perfect for them. Now they needed to establish what would constitute a fair price. The conversation went something like this. What do you think we should offer? Jack and Jill asked. I responded with some insights I've learned as a full-time realtor since 1988. I said, with the addition of a second buyer, especially in a seller's market, the end result is virtually unknowable. That is, no one can be 100% certain of what it will take in order to get this house. Instead, we're dealing in the realm of likelihoods. These other buyers may be from out of state or possibly have sold another home for a significant amount and scaling down. If so, what might be seen by some as a high price may not be such a financial reach for them. I then continued. The issue may also become not only price, but perhaps meeting some of the seller's other possible hot button needs. For example, if the other buyer's offer on the house you want is all cash, without a loan or appraisal involved, we're then not only dealing with the realm of price, but also the seller's reliance on the likelihood of the sale closing once the property is off the market. So because we don't know any of those factors, what we can do is work within highest degrees of likelihood. So the cleaner and more forgiving your offer, and the higher you are on the price, especially if you offer above the list price, the greater your chances of getting the house. What happens next? Jack and Jill discussed their options and decided they were in it to win it. As a result, we wrote a clean, more than full price offer, and it was accepted. I later learned the other offer was indeed strong, 
but Jack and Jill's offer had been accepted by the seller mainly due to the added amount they'd offered over the home's list price. We had been working with a price-sensitive seller whose other concerns were dwarfed by price. A happy ending. Jack and Jill are now enjoying life in their new home and are raising their three kids in a beautiful and much larger house with a nice yard. They're very happy in their home and while the process was stressful at times, they're also glad they moved forward on their home purchase with both clarity and focus. Helpful tips. So how can you, as a home buyer or home seller, learn from this case study which examined a real-life transaction where buyers competed for a home they desperately wanted? Here are some helpful tips to get you started. Buyer tip number one, get pre-approved. Jack and Jill made sure to get pre-approved for their home loan. Pre-qualified and pre-approved are two terms you may have heard before, and either is better than nothing. But if you want to stand the best chance of sellers approving your offer in a competitive situation, go through the extra steps of getting pre-approved. That means your mortgage lender may require a credit check and verification of things like income and assets, but when you're in the middle of a home purchase negotiation, you'll be glad you did that work ahead of time. Seller tip number one, know your market. It's essential for home sellers to understand the real estate market environment they're selling into and how the home they're selling relates to that market. This typically means having your realtor provide a thorough review and comparison of your property with other recent, similar sold properties. The realtor for the seller that Jack and Jill purchased from knew the market and advised the seller to price accordingly. It paid off. And while there's usually a limit to how high you can push the price for any property, sufficiently motivated buyers may sometimes surprise a home seller. That's because if a buyer has definite needs, is highly qualified, and or buying with all cash, home sellers then needn't worry about some of the usual concerns, such as an appraisal, because with well-qualified buyers having a large down payment, appraisals are either much less of an issue or in the case of cash, not even necessary. Buyer tip number two, count the cost. If the seller's price is higher than you'd hoped for, consider calculating the cost difference between the price you planned on paying versus what it will take to successfully have the best house bid. Over the life of a 15 or 30 year home loan, and depending on factors like interest rate, the difference of paying an extra $5,000 to successfully outbid any other buyer to get the house that fits your needs may amount to a few dollars or even less a day. Since purchasing one's dream home is a primary goal for many, some buyers take the big picture approach and wisely make concessions to a seller as necessary in order to first secure the home. Then after perhaps having paid a bit more than they expected, they creatively make up the savings elsewhere making up for what can amount to the above-noted few dollars a day difference. How? Some new homeowners shop more efficiently, pay property taxes in advance, thereby receiving a deduction, raise insurance deductibles, or forego that spendy latte every day on their drive to work and drink home-brewed coffee instead. When the goal is important, there's often a way to get it done. Seller tip number two. Don't be in a hurry. While it's not considered good form to make buyers wait excessively for a response, if there is already one good buyer in the mix and you have a few days to consider that offer currently on the table, 
another buyer may soon appear with the best offer of all. This is precisely what Jack and Jill's seller experienced. As a result, a case can be made for responding ahead of any offer deadlines, but not in a hurried fashion. Look to your real estate agent for guidance on this. Buyer tip number three, reduce contingencies. There are important contingencies most home buyers include in an offer. These contingencies generally include a home inspection along with both appraisal and financing contingencies. However, some contingencies will damage your offer. That's because if you're making an offer on a home in a fast-paced competitive market and include a contingency that expects to take the seller's property off the market while you first try to get an offer on your own home, that kind of contingency is likely to jettison your chances. To be clear, a contingency tied to getting an offer on a buyer's home is decidedly different than the more common contingency of already having a sale on the buyer's home and writing an offer subject to the final closing on that home sale. Also consider other potential hot-button seller items like closing dates. If the seller wants a fast closing, consider a sooner closing date if possible and have your realtor write that into your offer. Seller tip number three, do your homework. Before taking your property off the market for a buyer who isn't able to purchase, your realtor is in a position to confirm buyer qualifications by confirming the buyer's lendability status and or availability of funds, such as a bank statement with names intact but account numbers redacted. Most well-written offers also include a pre-approval letter for the stated purchase price. Expert realtors representing a seller will routinely check with a buyer's lender prior to suggesting their home seller client accept any offer. Buyer tip number four, write a strong offer. Don't insult with a lowball offer and expect a seller entertaining multiple offers to somehow treat you favorably. If you know another offer is being made on a house you want, understand that single fact alone is evidence the market is favorable to the property. As a result, that house you want is therefore probably not overpriced and may even be underpriced. Still not convinced? Then go back to buyer tip number one and have your realtor review comparable home sales for the neighborhood. Cash talks. If you're able to write a cash offer and the offered price is within their acceptable range, this can present a seller with a serious reason to want to work with you to the exclusion of other buyers. That's because a lender's appraisal is then not required thus providing more assurance of one less potential problem. Closing timeframes also tend to be shorter in cash transactions. The buyer's kick yourself question. If you're a buyer and your realtor has provided you with solid comparable home sale information to help determine what the house you like is worth, that may be enough to calm your fears. But if you end up making an offer and don't get the house by losing out to another competing buyer, once the dust has settled, you may kick yourself for not sufficiently raising the stakes. So after reviewing those comparable home sales, but before you even begin to write an offer, consider at what price would you regret or kick yourself for not getting the house you want. That could help to clarify how much the home is truly worth to you. Buyer tip number four, consider sweetening your offer. If you've already written what you thought was your best offer, then wake in the middle of the night fearful of losing out, consider sweetening your offer. This can be done one of several ways and there isn't any one-size-fits-all answer, so discuss such options with your realtor. 
One way is to simply raise your offered price. Another is to make your earnest money deposit non-refundable. This sometimes has the effect of convincing sellers that even if you back out, they'll receive your earnest money deposit, thereby compensating them for having their hot home off the market while they missed out on those other possible buyer opportunities. The Escalation Clause Another option is to use what's known as an Escalation Clause, whereby your offer automatically raises above the otherwise best competing offer by a predetermined amount, usually with a maximum amount written in. For example, your Escalation Clause may state that you're willing to beat any other qualified offer by $3,500, up to the maximum home price of, say, $650,000. In this example, if your offer was initially beaten by another buyer, your offer automatically escalates $3,500 above theirs as long as it does not exceed $650,000. Other factors are typically involved such as deducting from the competing offer any non-price specific factors like seller paid closing costs, so a true offered price is used, not an inflated one. Seller tip number four. Look beyond price. While price can certainly be a key factor, if you're considering multiple offers on your home, understand that other issues may be very important too. Let's look at just a few. Likelihood of closing. A buyer with a 50% down payment is considered a better risk for you to take your home off the market for than a buyer barely able to scrape together a down payment. That's because lenders tend to be more forgiving with stronger buyers. That means if the appraisal comes in a bit low, unlike with a weaker buyer, it's not necessarily a death knell for the transaction with a stronger buyer. And if the stronger buyer's home inspection reveals more trouble than was expected, depending on negotiations, there's a chance that the buyer may be in a position to either forgive or take on some of that added repair cost. Weaker buyers may have to rely on sometimes less forgiving lender repair requirements. Number two, buyer temperament. The white glove treatment is an idiom used to signify those who walk around a house wearing white gloves in order to detect dust. If a buyer or their offer sends signals that they'll be persnickety on inspections, realize that other buyers may be more forgiving. So it could be worth working with other buyers to avoid such headaches, even at a slightly lower price. Number three, closing costs. Some buyers need seller paid closing costs in order to purchase a property. That's because they may have the required income, down payment, and good credit, but still need help coming up with their closing costs. As a result, it's not uncommon for sellers to help buyers in this manner. But make sure to calculate seller paid closing costs into any offer to better compare which one is right for you. Number four, possession dates. Do you need an extra week or 10 days to vacate the home? If delayed possession is a major consideration, consider working with buyers who are able to be flexible. Otherwise, storage and moving costs may become more of a factor than you first realized. And number five, fixtures and appliance negotiation. Some buyers have less need to request inclusion of certain items with their home purchase. The purchase of washers, dryers, and even unique fixtures, like an antique chandelier initially excluded from the home sale, can all be negotiated. Depending on the costs involved, home sellers may factor in such personal or otherwise excluded home items when buyers ask about including them with the home purchase. That about wraps it up for today's program, How Multiple Buyers Change Everything. 
For more information, check out the show notes over at OregonRealEstatePodcast.com. For now, this is Roy with Certified Realty, wishing you the very best. Do you have a real estate question or perhaps an Oregon property to sell? Contact Roy today for a free consultation. Just call 800-637-1950 or send your email to roy at certifiedrealty.com. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Oregon Real Estate Podcast.